Thank you. Well, hey guys, honored to be with you all and uh, those joining online. Um, let me share something real quick before I get into just kind of a bit of a talk. I was going to give you a certain talk, uh, to be honest, but just last night, thinking about it, praying about it this morning, getting up early, thinking about it, praying about it, just felt like the Lord adjust my heart and uh, just want to share pretty vulnerably um, on some things I feel like the Lord's just been placing upon my heart. But uh, since, I, since I met with you guys last time, maybe a year ago, a lot of you have gone through the book. So I developed something called Transform the Planner. And Transform the Planner is really a personal development discipleship planner. Because I didn't just want to write a book about something and then five years on later kind of go, oh, yeah, I wrote this book, but I don't live it. Transform the Planner is the way for me to literally live this out. So it asks you the four questions, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially. Ask you 12 hard questions at the end of your week. Ask you some key questions hour by hour, say, what would a, um, so you can plan your day. What would a mentor tell you today? What are the big three things I need to do today? What's the scripture I'm believing God for? All that kind of stuff. And um, so anyway, if you are after a planner or a, a discipleship life development to reach your life to the next level, this really was a, um, a God thing that the Lord put on my heart just so that I would live it better and uh, make sure that others could. And I realized, and I'm pretty ADD, so I get distracted a lot. And here's the deal. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I held myself accountable to what I said I was going to do. Does that make sense? Anyone else struggle with holding yourself accountable to what you said you were going to do? Okay, this is why I wrote that planner, literally. So I would, I would really help men do that and help women do that. So uh, that's it. Let me pray, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those online. I thank you for the New Canaan Society. I thank you for the men here. I thank you, Lord, for their wives. I thank you for their, for their kids, for their grandkids. Father, I lift them up to you. Holy Spirit, take these moments now, Lord, and help me uh, just, just come alongside these men in the journey of life that they are in. And I pray that I'd be a help to them. I pray that I, that I would be an encouragement to them. I pray that you would speak. I pray, Lord, that you would stir their hearts. Lord, I welcome your presence here. Lord, it makes all the difference in the world. So in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bless your men, strengthen your men, strengthen every man online, I pray. In the name of Jesus, and I pray for literally New Jersey. I pray, Lord God, that you would send a move of God to New Jersey. And I pray across churches and every movement that's going to exalt you, let your name be lifted high, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. I want to, um, how many of you guys have done Transform? Bunch of you, almost all of you have done it. Um, one of the, obviously the, the things that, I talk about in transform is, is the principles of God and the presence of God, the principles of God and the presence of God. And here's the truth that we need both. How many say amen to that? Okay. You need both. You need discipline, but here's what I found as I've been kind of navigating this whole thing of trying to lead myself well over the last number of years. Cause how many of you know, if you're going to lead something, you need to lead you well. John Maxwell says this, the hardest person to lead is you, right? That's the truth. Keith Kraft says that every major leader I've ever heard talk, talks about that actually leading yourself well is the hardest thing you need to do. 
But if you can do that over time, then good things, great things are going to happen. Um, but here's what I've noticed about principles and disciplines. Sometimes as men, we can make the principles and the disciplines our focus instead of the presence of the Lord. The principles and the disciplines help you. They guide you. They're needed. But I just want to mention three quick thoughts for you today, and I've got some questions for you afterwards. I want to just remind you today that it's His presence that matters. Like what burns in your heart for the things of God, it'll be His presence that softens you. I want to give you an example of this. Um, years ago, it was the first time I'd gone back to Australia, I think, in quite a while. I was there with my wife. I was on, on vacation. And um, I had this kind of disturbing dream. And in the dream, um, I was talking in our church, and I was in the foyer, and I was in underwear. And I'm talking, this was a dream I had, and I'm talking to people. I'm like, hey, how are you? Literally in my dream. And they're like, hey, you're not wearing any clothes. Which, how many know that'd be awkward, okay? Um, I don't care how progressive society goes. That's not good, okay? So anyway, in this dream, I'm talking to people and I'm in my underwear and I'm telling them I was too busy. Anyway, so I wake up. I'm, I'm at my house, um, I'm at my sister's house in Australia. I'm just lying in the sun and so forth. And that dream keeps coming to mind. Huh. And I realized maybe it wasn't just a pizza dream. Maybe the Lord was trying to get my attention about something. All of a sudden, I started praying about it. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord put in my heart, son, you're on vacation, but don't go on vacation from me. And I realized at that moment that I was about to go back to America in about a week and a half, and I'd be preaching God's word. And I felt like the Lord was basically saying to me, you won't be ready. See, here's the truth, man. You can be reading the Bible in the Word, but I guarantee you, you will have blind spots. Every single one of us at different times, I don't care if you pray four hours a day, you will have blind spots because that's the way we are. Uh, Revelation 3 talks about the church that have blind spots. Um, if you read 1 Samuel chapter 2, you find Eli is a, is a man who's leading his sons. His sons are disasters. And here's what's interesting. He's going physically blind. But it was the spiritual blindness that actually he was not dealing with that was really a, a, a physical representation of a spiritual reality. And I want to just encourage us this morning that his presence matters. That his presence matters. Exodus chapter 33, Moses is told, listen, you can go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. Moses' heart says to God, if you don't go with me, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Here's what's so interesting. He'd rather hang in the desert than go to a blessed place because he loved the presence of God. I found over time it's the presence of God that is the X factor for your life. 
It's the presence of God that's cultivated. It's the presence of God that's sought because his word is true. But how many know you can't see it? You can't see it rightly without his presence. And we'll have spiritual blinders on and cultural blinders on. Um, Think of Peter for a moment. Peter's treating Jewish people better than Gentiles, and he can't see it. So put it this way. He has a cultural blindness on him, and it's only the presence of God in a dream that shows him that he's valuing a certain thing more than what he should be. And he hung out with Jesus for three years. So could it be, I'm just saying, (laughs) could it be in a room full of men like this that maybe you have some spiritual blindness that the presence of the Lord has to reveal? Does that make sense? I found God will use a dream in my life. I found God will use my wife. Amen. I found God will use a mentor. I'll find, I've found God will use times where there's just an emptiness and I'm not sure why. And then what I realize over time is maybe the Lord's trying to get my attention because His presence matters. You hear me this morning? His presence matters. Um, let me say this, self-leadership matters. His presence matters. Man, it, it, it is the richness of our lives that actually, that, that seek after the presence of the Lord. Um, self-leadership matters. If there's a time in Christianity where we're looking across the board and so many different leaders have fallen over numerous different years, how many of self-leadership matters? Like how you lead you matters. And you may not be in a leadership position, but I would say this to you, but you're leading you and you're leading your family and maybe your kids and maybe your grandkids or whatever that looks like, like self-leadership really matters. Let me go back to Eli for a moment. Here's what's interesting. Eli had corrected his sons. Eli had talked to them. was like, what you're doing with the women's not good. They're stealing money. They're sleeping with the girls at the temple. And so it, it sounded like he dealt with it. It sounded like he was doing the spiritual thing. But when God shows up to him, he says, why do you honor your sons more than me? Because he'd talked to them about it, but he actually never corrected them. And here's what's it. He didn't step them down. He didn't say, "I'm I'm taking you a break. And here's what's also interesting. He said he enjoyed the meat that his sons would pull out of the extra offering. And the Bible says he was a very large man. So here's what's interesting. He's correcting his sons in in word only, but not in action. He was enjoying the pleasure of their sin. And he's the leader. Does that make sense? Um, Self-leadership matters. And here's what I would encourage you on. And I know this has been a journey for me, and life's a journey. Um, you have to deal with you in an honest way so you can deal with others in an honest way. you got to be able to deal with honest. Um, let me put it this way to you. There's men around your lives 
that their next level of living is because you had an honest conversation with them. Let me say it again for the back of the room. Um, there's men in your world that their next level of living, their next level of effectiveness is you being willing to have an honest co conversation with them. Does that make sense? How many of you love confrontation? Put up your hand. Anyone love confrontation? Couple of, okay, few. How many of you hate it? How many of you hate it? Just be honest. You hate confrontation. Yeah, there's a few weirdos in the room. You love confrontation. But for a lot of the men, a lot of people don't love confrontation. I know for me as a pastor, I've had to confront myself. Really, I've had to confront myself on why I don't want to confront someone. And here's what I realized. I hate an awkward room. I hate an awkward, like, I want to hang out with you. I want to talk with you. Let's shoot the breeze and then say, hey, have a good day. But I realized if I really want someone in my life, if, if I really want one of my leaders, one of my pastors, if I want them to go to the next level, I've got to point out to them something that they don't want to hear. Because how many know, like, if I let someone speak in my church and they don't do a good job, how many know that reflects on me? So if they speak in my church and they don't do a good job, or maybe it was a six out of 10, but they can bring an eight, nine out of 10, I'm going to talk to them about it. And if I avoid it, I mean, you know, I'm actually limiting them. Most of my life-changing conversations, I would say this, are conversations I didn't want to hear. Does that make sense, man? If the doctor talks to you about something in your world, how I many you know normally if he's got to talk to you about something, it's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And most of us, um, maybe you need to wrestle you a little bit and realize why am I afraid to talk to someone about how their life, how their faith, how their marriage can go to the next level? Uh, maybe I need to confront me on why I'm scared to do that. Does that make sense? Self-leadership matters. Um, deep friendships matter. Here's where I want to dive in a little bit. Um, deep friendships matter. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard over the years in Transform, I love the four quadrants, spiritual, physical, relational, financial. It helps men get clarity and so forth. But the thing that I've heard the most, perhaps, out of our church and out of the men's mouths, it was the brotherhood that helped them the most. Deeper friendships. Um, let me ask you a question, and we'll break down this question a little bit later. Um, what's stopping you loving people more? You know what I've actually noticed? Again, it's sometimes fear. One of the pastors on our team will say to me regularly, like, hey, love you. And I didn't grow up in a home that, that my dad would have told me, love me, but sometimes it was like occasional. So if a dude comes up to me, he's like, hey, I love you. Like, I don't want to say that every day. Like, we, do we have to do it again? Is that what we're doing? Like, <laughs> And uh, I tell my wife every day, I tell my kids every day, but someone, he's like, hey, love you. And I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I told you last week, like, 
I'm good right now, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't want this to be awkward. And, um, and then I, I get another friend of mine. I've been a friend with, with this man for like 20 years. And um, I'll be like, uh, in, in a text message, I'll be like, hey, love you guys. He's like, nope. I'm like, no, he's, he's like, no, I want you to say, I, I love you. I'm like, nah, man, I don't want to do that, you know? <laughs> and, um, but here's what I honestly find that sometimes, man, we're actually fearful or just hard-hearted a little bit and we don't even realize it. Like, how deep are your friendships? How many friends? Do you have that if something was to break down in your world, which guy do you go to? Do you have three, four, five friends? And you can be in a group like this and you can, be, you can know everyone, but sometimes perhaps you need to go a little deeper with a few men and just, I mean, the, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you do yourself. Um, I think one of the reasons why men's ministries around the world aren't doing perhaps as well as they could be is because there actually needs to be a deeper love, not a surface one, not a love you man, but a deeper one, which a deeper one would actually call you out. A deeper one would call you to be more. A deeper one would invite you to be more over and over again. So I just want to kind of close out with this couple of thoughts. His presence matters. So let me give you three questions real quick. When was the last time you felt stirred in the presence of the Lord? When was the last time you felt stirred in the presence of the Lord? You felt stirred for more. You felt stirred that you were believing too small. When was the last time you felt stirred in the presence of the Lord? Second question, when was the last time you heard his voice? When was the last time you heard his voice? Here's almost a good question around that. When was the last time you... All right, let me break that down a little bit. So. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I would also say this to some of the men in here. Maybe you come from a, th a theology and a philosophy that it's God stopped speaking up like once the canon's put in place. And I respect that. I just think it, 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 it puts the Bible at a high place which is awesome. At the same time, it's actually not listening to some of the actual Bible. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall what? He shall direct your paths, right? If, if God can direct my paths, he's going to stir my heart. I'm not saying you're hearing an audible voice. However, I am saying that he's placing something on your heart it could be the simplicity of your generosity is enlarging. I often find God is very clear. 
how he speaks to you about money and how you handle how, you, how he speaks to you about money. He, when he says, listen, if you're trustworthy in worldly wealth, then I'll give you true spiritual riches. So one of the ways, man, you actually would hear God's voice. And I'd encourage everyone to do this in this room. Honestly, one of the greatest ways you can start to hear God's voice is, where do you want me to be more generous? You'd be surprised all of a sudden, God will start showing up in your world. Like, oh, oh wow, he wants to be generous here. He wants me to be generous here. And he watches how you handle the little things, generosity and finances, to speak to you in other areas of your life. Does that make sense? Like if I was to take you to the gym and, and before we bench 300, we're going to first bench 100, right? So God trusts you with small moments in hearing his voice. Hey, here's a moment, uh, forgive that situation. Here's a moment, be more loving to your wife. Here's a moment, come on, let's be, let's be generous to the house of God. That's the 100 pound moment. Then as you're faithful with 100 pounds, what happens is, okay, we can move to 125. He's going to stir you more. Does that make sense? Uh, Psalm, Psalm 32 verse 8 is another scripture. Maybe, again, if you really want to hear God's voice, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. Um, there's numerous different scriptures. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will show you what is yet to come right? Those are a few key scriptures that you and I can lean in and say, God, okay, you may be here today, man, you may be online, and you're like, okay, I believe in Jesus, I, I believe the scripture, but I've never felt God speak to my heart or stir my heart or give me a dream or give me a vision or anything like that. That would be your prayer out of this place, like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not yet know. Proverbs 20, uh, sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, most people know that verse, but it's the next few verses that matter. Verse 12, 13, and 14. He says, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Does that make sense? Acts 2 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? It simply means you felt something, you've heard something. It's a vision or, or a dream. It must be tested with scripture. Um, it must align with scripture. It should be trusted with people who've got fruit in their life. But God wants to speak to you, man. I promise, here's what I would say regarding the presence of the Lord and God's voice. Every major breakthrough Every single one in our church has come from hearing God's voice. I wrote Transform the Book. I was in a worship service in another church in Pennsylvania. I was in a worship service. I felt the Lord speak to my heart and say, son, write a book to help man get unstuck in life. The planner, honestly, the planner came to be. I was working on this planner. I quit on it. A man in our church who runs the finances, runs the kids ministry, had a dream. He said, hey, I had this weird dream. And in the dream, you're working on this project and you threw it out. And he says, I walked in the trash can. I pulled out this planner and I gave it to you and said, this is going to help the next generation. And when he said that to me, all of a sudden, I, something awoke in my heart. I went, man, I knew I was onto something with this planner. I really believe it can help people. So for the next nine months, I worked on it. 
And, um, and man, the stories I'm starting to hear now of what's happening with Transform the Planner is so encouraging, uh, so encouraging. Um, we were in Kani in our church. Just, I'm just stirring you around the voice of God for a moment. We were in Kani in our church for two and a half years. Our church did not grow at all. 37 people, we couldn't grow. I woke up in the middle of the night not thinking that I said it out loud, we are in the wrong place. And I literally looked up and said, what do I do now? My wife was asleep. She was no help to me. It was, it was 2.33 o'clock in the morning and I said out loud, we're in the wrong place. Two months later, I rode my bike from Kearney to Rutherford. As I rode my bike into Rutherford, I felt the presence of the Lord come over my life. And all of a sudden, that's where I knew I was, we were meant to move the church from Kearney to Rutherford. As we moved it from there, People began to trickle in out of nowhere. Visitors began to come and our church began to grow. Our, our, um, the building we are now in today, we were in the Williams Center. We were stuck in the Williams Center. 370, 400 people was kind of the most we could fit. We were doing four services in a small little pizza slice, kind of a youth room almost. And I had a friend of mine uh, say to me, man, I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. When you move to the new building, it will be an epic shift for your church. Our church went from 370 people. Uh, the first Sunday, it was 500 people. We, like we couldn't grow. Um, we're now seeing a normal Sunday for us is 1,800 people. Uh, that's, a, that's an average normal Sunday for us four years later. But a friend of mine said, when you move to the next building, your church, 370, 400 people was, was the most we could be in, in that place. The Lord, uh, this friend of mine said, it will be an epic shift. Moved in the new building and God's multiplied four times over. Um, let me give you another just example of the voice of God, just to whet your appetite that God wants to speak to you. You don't have to be doing anything spiritual for God to speak to you. I was raking leaves one day. Maybe that is spiritual. I don't know. In the fall, it's fairly spiritual. Yeah. I'm raking leaves one day. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart as clear as a bell. Like it, it was clear. Help men win in life. Those five words, help men win in life. That changed our church. Why? Because transform came out of that. So I promise you this, the presence of God is the X factor. I'm living proof. I think God was, I think the Lord was like, are you done with your leadership yet? I'm like, I'm done. He's like, help the men. And when he, when he spoke to my heart that, I went, oh my gosh. It was like the creativity began to flow. The culture began to flow and everything else began to flow out of that. And so I want to encourage you men. God wants to speak to you. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor, business guy. The Lord wants to speak to you. Why? You're his son. If you know him, you're his son. He wants to speak to you. Maybe it's in a quiet time. I'll share one more, one more moment uh, where I really felt like the Lord speak to my heart recently. I was reading scripture, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. I've never had a passage of scripture jump out to me like this in my life. This happened maybe three months ago, four months ago. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 is basically the vision line of the whole entire book of Proverbs. It says this, their purpose is to teach people to live 
disciplined and successful lives and to understand what is right and just and fair. That's what it says. But as I read it, it was like your purpose is to teach men to have disciplined and successful lives to understand what is right and just and fair. It was like it popped off the page and that's never happened in all my walk with God since walking with the Lord and, and trying to follow Him as best I can since I'm 18. So God wants to speak to your heart. But I will say this to you, men. He tests you first with 100 pounds. He's like, all right, let's see how you go with this one. For some reason you're in church, and you're like, man, I feel this weird stirring that I need to go pray for that guy. That's the 100 pounds. Here's what I can encourage you. Satan's not telling you to pray for someone. <laughs> Satan's not telling you to be more generous. Right? Pray for someone, invite someone to church. Those moments, that's the 100 pounds. You want to do something greater for God? Cool. Let's pass the 100 pound test. Keep working on that. And then he'll nudge you three months later. Something else. You haven't been in the Word in a while. Maybe you get a weird dream. You're walking around church with your undies on. I'm not asking. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. I'm just saying. Does that make sense, man? Have I given you three questions to talk about? Well, that's why I ask you questions. <laughs> uh, third one is what stops you from loving people deeper? What stops you from loving people deeper? So I'm just going to throw that out there and then we're going to break up, I think, into and just chat through that, right? Okay. Thank you so much, guys.